Okay, we need a little bit of light because I want people to be able to see their Bibles. We're about studying the Bible. And, 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 and honestly, even, I'm calling this morning the way. Because I don't know about you, but you know what early Christianity was called, right? Was called the way. They weren't called Christians. Say, let's Christians, let's meet together in Christianity. They didn't have those. They basically called Christians the way. And so the way that we think and the way that we go and who we are, the way, it's we found a way. Now, for most of us, for many of us, say, yes, I get it. The way is, is Christ. It's so different from any other way. It's not Judaism. You know, Judaism has the law and the Ten Commandments and said, hey, we follow that and we obey God in the Old Testament. And, and, and there's something new. And it's not just the addition of Jesus into a worldview of Judaism. It's actually something entirely different. You are part of something if you trust in Jesus, something entirely different than the world has known. You know, a lot of times you have big roads. In fact, I'm using roads as ways today, but, 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 but it's actually somewhat of a hidden way, right? Jesus said, narrow is the path. That's what Jesus said. So someone I'm calling you who found Jesus, come on, this amazing path. It's, it's an amazing, amazing thing that we get to look at and we get to know. And, and, and would you go down it with me? The way that we get to see most clearly is really this morning at the end of John because we've had all of this amazing gospel of John about how great Jesus is and the signs and the wonders and all that he did. And we say he is the son of God. He is the Messiah. We're there. And yet so often our lives, we're tempted to stay on the same old street. Because as we looked at last time, the circumstances of your life may look the same. And, and, and honestly, you fail just like you did before. And you still see sin in your life. And so you start going, well, I guess I'm going to deal with it like I've always dealt with it, which is this way. And Jesus is over here. And the way that we found is different. How do I know? Well, there's no better way to look at it than we're looking this morning. With Peter. Because I'm going to bring up the sinner. The guy who's failed. What are you going to do with them? Hey, you failed in your life. You know, you've sinned before. What's God think of that? How does he do it? What does he do? And so this is a passage. It's real short. We're going to take this real short interaction that Jesus has with Peter. But if you haven't really considered it, you've skipped over it. If you haven't gone into it about the depth and the wonder of how this is a different way to live your life. So I want to show you from the text this morning. It's John chapter 21, it's just real, three verses, it's this interaction, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the risen Son of God, who's paid for our sins, and he's still on the earth, and he's interacting with Peter, the guy who ran away. <laughs> this is the actual words of Christ this morning, and, and there's three rounds, we're going to do it in three rounds. This is round one, I want you to see the restoration of the sinner, what it means for you. So if you have your Bibles, look with me. It's, I'll put it on the screen too. But I'll tell you what, it's, it's not a long passage and you may even be able to quote it at me. But I wonder if you see it. So this first one, verse 15 of chapter 21, says this. When they had finished breakfast, 
Okay, that's the scene, right? So the curtain's up, and, and, and we've already started the scene, which is Jesus came to them, and they're out there fishing again, and they're catching nothing, and he says, hey, toss the net on the other side, and he gives them the 153 fish, and Peter jumps out of the boat and swims into Jesus, and when he gets there, Jesus has already made breakfast for them. This is fish they didn't catch, though he says, hey, bring the fish you caught because they're worthwhile to me. So when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? It's not talking about the fish. It's talking about the other disciples, right? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Okay. So there's, there's every evidence we'll see later a little bit that, that, that Jesus has pulled Peter aside a little bit. There's, there's John who's come over to listen because he's writing this. But this is a little interaction between Jesus and Peter and this elephant in the room, right? Peter's failure. It's called lapsing. It's called denying Christ. He did it three times. He he ran away from Jesus, and he hasn't really had this restoration. Like this is the restoration, and everybody who reads this said this is the restoration. So 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 it's like this is it. Don't you think about think with me for a minute about how it should go? Do you ever have these things where someone's failed you? What do you do? I mean, uh, uh, Peter, do you love me more than these? Then why did you do that? You said, yes, you love me. Why did you do that? What were you thinking? I'd like you to plumb a little bit and grovel just a bit about why you did that thing that you did that was really bad and you, you forsook me and left me all alone. I mean, that's what we do, right? That's, that's how we think. Or, or maybe like this appropriate groveling and sort of repentance, right? Like this promise, Jesus, I will never do it again. I feel so bad, I promise I'll never do it. And then, and then maybe a, well, okay, you're on probation. <laughs> we'll kind of watch and see if you're really over that, because if you really do repent, if you really have changed your ways, then you won't ever abandon me again, and you won't ever do anything like that again. So I'm kind of expecting, I mean, if, I, if you think about it, think about how we do it. This is how we do it. We kind of walk through and we think, hey, I want to make sure, you know, my kid, he's done the wrong thing. I'm going to pull him and make sure that they're okay and make, make sure they're not going to do that again and plummet a little bit and appropriate amount of sort of self-disgust and sort of showing you really mean it and, and how things go. Even, even when it's just walking through the steps, you know, this is the paradigm. So when someone points out my sin or my less than perfect behavior, I usually respond with defensiveness. I don't know if you do that, but it's pretty common. I don't know. If, if I do what you tell me to, then you'll be okay with me is kind of how I think about things. And so if I can make it right, I'll do the things that you wanted me to do the first time. But, but really before God, I know that's not very good because I never do enough. And the law says to do this and it's never done because it's so high. So I'm always supposed to be better. 
say, well, really, Dax? Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of premarital these days. You know, a lot of people get married. You know what Ephesians 5 says? It says, husbands, you're to love your wives like what? Like Jesus loved the church. I'm looking at you, husbands. Anybody else crucified for their wife recently? No. I fail, right? I'm not Jesus. Jesus was perfect. He gave perfect. Everything he did was perfect. Most of the things I do are threaded through with some sort of failure. You can call me on it. I'll give you the reasons why I'm not Jesus. You know, I'm trying really hard here, and I will go to the try really fast. But the reality is I'm not the husband that Jesus is to the church. So, so in light of this stuff, right? This, this question and answer session that Jesus does with Peter seems a little, can I say weird? seems surprising at least. So surprising that we don't really get into it. I mean, why this? Peter, this is what he says, right? I'm going to use, because they have different words for love, and there's different words for love going on. Peter, do you self-sacrificially love me more than these? That's what Jesus asked Peter. John is standing there. Did John abandon Jesus? Quick answer for those who didn't know. No. Remember Jesus on the cross and he looks down and John's there and the mother's there and, and, and he, says to, he says to Mary, 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 behold your son. He says to John, John, behold your mother. John is with Jesus. Peter's not. Peter, do you self-sacrificially love me more than these people? The answer is No. At least I hope you guys would say no. If someone came up to you and said, hey, 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 do you love Jesus more than anyone else around you? What the height of pride? Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm the greatest lover of Jesus there ever been. No, you don't. You don't. You will find someone better. And so the whole answer, he should say no. Don't you think that's the truth? Peter can't say that he self-sacrificially loves Jesus more than anyone else. So he says, yes. What? But he says it in a funny way. And I think you should realize. He says, yes, Jesus, I love you like a brother. He uses a different word. Okay, this is kind of a big deal. So, so you know what? A lot of people argue over and over about this little interchange, about how P Jesus is saying one thing and, and, and Peter's saying another. And really, they're just synonyms. It doesn't matter. No, it matters. I realize that in other places in the Bible, it's used as synonyms. Phileo, which is sort of brotherly love, and agape, which is self-sacrificial love. So in Proverbs, it's used interchangeably, poetically. But this is really specific. Jesus says it one way, Peter says it the other. Jesus says it one way, Peter says it the other. Finally, Jesus says it like Peter says it. It's very specific. And in fact, there's a change in the question each time. So first, Jesus says, do you self-sacrificially love me like nobody else, Peter, more than any of these other disciples? And Peter says, uh, uh. And you kind of see him saying, man, I, I know, I can't say anything to Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I love you like a brother. I, I so love you, and I'm such a screw-up. That's what he says, basically, right? He doesn't say, yeah, I love you. I self-sacrificially love you, Jesus. He says, yeah, I, I, I got this amazing brotherly love for you, Jesus. 
I feel like he's saying it almost tear-stained. It's true. Because of how awesome Jesus is, there's not a hint here in this like discussion where Peter's going. It's not, I'll sacrifice for you, Jesus. There's none of that. It's, you're so amazing. Your, your miracles, your compassion, your mercy, your strength, your truth. And Jesus, he's the real deal. And, and, and so Peter, who's seen this and he's confessed to Jesus Christ, says, I love you like a brother. You're amazing. So Jesus says, do you self-sacrificially love me? That's agape. Peter says, I, I, I phileo you. I, I love you like a brother. And, 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 and here's the deal. I, I, at one point in my life was in the that doesn't matter camp. But now I think it's super important. Because here, this first round, this is the, the, the round one. This is the actual restoration. The restoration of Peter's is, is happening, Right? Peter doesn't get up to the mark of self-sacrificial love more than those gathered around, but he's honest. Jesus is amazing, and that's what he needs. I'm still waiting for something in the exchange. You should be too. What? I'm waiting for someone delving into why Peter fell. Sort of a teaching point. A redirection to make sure it doesn't happen again because that's how I think everything works. It's like if Jesus is restoring Peter, then he's going to go into, hey, Peter, yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm giving you a pass here, but let's talk about how it's not going to happen again. Okay? Tell me what words you're going to use next time. Tell me how, what you're going to do. So almost like this piece, because it's what I would do, this is making it a teaching thing because I think, I, I, I think, because I think that's what God's after. Because I think we're all struggling to be acceptable. And acceptable means not going wrong. Do you think that way? I do. I've lived a lot of my life that way. Struggling to make sure everyone around me thinks I'm doing enough, you know, at least in their eyes. And, and that just transfers right over to God. Like, are you doing enough for God? And all oh, those people out there that are sitting, man, they got to stop or else. There's nothing like that here. Instead, what does he do? He says directly, immediately, feed my sheep. I, I accept you, Peter. What's he going to feed him, by the way? He's not talking about hay. He's not talking about law. He's talking about what he's doing right here, right? Feed my sheep. He's going to feed him forgiveness. How amazing this Jesus is. Oh, you love me, do you? Oh, you've seen how awesome I am. Feed my sheep means tell him how awesome Jesus is. Right? Isn't that what he's doing? What an incredible shepherd we have. Feed my sheep. It's kind of a pregnant statement. I don't want to go too much into it, but if you think about it, we're going to have a chance to see it a couple more times. That this, this word for sheep, I know John 10 is huge in my mind. It echoes in my mind. You know, Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the door for the sheep. The door means the gate means they go into the sheepfold. And there Jesus is the door of the sheepfold. And, 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 and the only way you're going to get in and out and the only protection that you have and the shepherd, it's all Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's awesome. But there's a little hint there for Peter. The word John used for sheepfold, 
the sheep and Jesus is the door. Is the same exact word you see in John 18. Where Jesus said, well, Jesus looks across the courtyard at Peter. There's this courtyard and Jesus is in it. And Peter is doing all of his stuff right there in the courtyard. And inside is Jesus. And the courtyard is the same word as sheepfold. So really when it says feed my sheep, we're talking about the same the same thought as Peter where his sight of his greatest failure was, was right there in that courtyard where his only hope is who? Jesus. And he's still the only hope Peter had. Not Peter do it right. Not Peter get it right this time. Not Peter come back and we walk you through the 12 steps to make sure you don't do it wrong. Or the four steps you're going to do to make sure you don't mess up. Not, not hey, let's, let's look at your ability now to climb those stairs and get into that courtyard and represent me. It's all about, no, do you realize I've always been the shepherd? Feed my sheep. What? Point to the shepherd. amazing that our only hope is Jesus and, and, and you see these links through and through and I don't want to get too deep into supposition but man it's okay to think I'm stretching but realize the number one focus when someone is really messed up my focus my human focus my big path focus is to make sure they don't do it again and guilt and shame and motivate whatever I can do to keep them from doing the bad thing. And here's Jesus. He's God and he's dealing with Peter. And this is, this is the restoration of the sinner. And Peter's standing there. We get to watch. He doesn't even mention it. There's no rehash. There's no giving of advice. There's no pushing of guilt and shame as a measure to prevent recurrence. Jesus doesn't do any of it. And so I think, well, maybe Jesus is just in a hurry. This is like a condensed, you know. Yeah, that's the restoration. Look what comes next. He does it again. What? Yeah, look, it's amazing, right? Here's round two. And anytime you see this kind of thing happen, your eyes better bug out a little bit because emphasis is the key thing in Scripture, right? You want to be able to say, hey, this is really important. Yeah, Jesus does it again. What does he do? Well, verse 16, he says to him a second time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter says to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. Okay, this is emphatic that this is what he's after. Peter's confession about Jesus, full stop. Not his obedience to Jesus, rather Jesus for him. Think about that with me, will you? It goes along with how things are being presented because the question changed a little bit. First, first, Jesus asked, do you self-sacrificially love me more than the rest of these people? Now Jesus dropped the rest of these people, but he still stayed with self-sacrificial love. It's like, Peter, do you self-sacrificially love me? I just see Peter wrestling with it. He doesn't, he's not glib. He's, no, I, Jesus, you know that, 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 that I phileo you. I, lo, I love you like a brother, Jesus. He can't say self-sacrifices for Jesus. He doesn't. But he sees how awesome Jesus is. Right? 
Peter responds again, you know that I love you. You know that I love you like a brother. And, and, and uh, you know Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. He knows Jesus is God. He knows Jesus knows already everything. He knows Jesus knows the start from the end. He knows everything. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus, you know. He's confessing Christ. You know my ins and my outs. You know my failures. You know that I love you like a brother. You're my family because of all you've done for me, Peter says, right, with this pregnant statement. You know this. And so Peter's making a confession about the truth, a truth he's convinced Jesus knows already. So he's not hiding. He's not defending. He's not wallowing. He's at the point of truth. I don't deserve you, Jesus, but I, I love, he, he, he could. I mean, I think, I, again, I think of myself. I think, man, I'd be going like, Jesus, I really do self-sacrificially love you. But at that moment, when someone just poked me in just that way, and all these people were looking at me, and just that very thing, I just messed up just that little bit, you know. Everything else I do is really good. No. This is a good place to be. Just the truth. The truth is you're a jerk. God knows. The truth is you're a liar. God knows. The truth is you're prideful. You think of yourself too much. Jesus knows. And you've tasted something. What's something? The incredible love of Christ for you. Look what he's done. He puts it all away and he loves you for who you are right now. He really does. While we were yet sinners, Romans says, Christ died for us. The incredible love of Christ for you, and, and then he puts it all away, and, and, and this is the way. This is the way. It's not self-improvement. It's not making sure you don't misstep. It's the way is Jesus and his love for you. Can you see him? And you'll love him if you do, because he's amazing. So this statement Jesus is making isn't really surprising at all. It's just so anti-world. It's, it's how we often think. We're not, we're, we're not having to prove. He's not making Peter prove anything. It's just the truth. And, and, and Peter says, yeah, I love you like a brother. And Jesus says, well, tend my lambs. Or tend my sheep. Did he want to tend my sheep? I, I, I come to them with this message, right? Tell them that I have them, that the truth is all, all there is. This truth of me and the law is too high and you are too low and, and yet you're treasured by me, Jesus says. I love you and we love because he loves us. I do, you know. I love Jesus. You love Jesus? Have you seen how awesome he is? Do you know what he does for you? How incredible he is? I want you to know. He's just amazing. He really is. And this is really important because this emphasis on what's not here. Again, again, there's no resolution of guilt, no resolution of behavior, no incrimination, no exploring the depths of why Peter would do that so that he never does it again. And this is important because that's the main piece for many counselors and Christians. They want to just focus on that. People and parents, me as a parent. Everybody, making sure we get people on the right behavior path, that we work towards getting there. And pastorally, I feel it all the time. I mean, I stay awake at night. My wife rolls over because she's tired of me rolling around. 
thinking about how I could have called somebody today or could have touched somebody today. There's more. You know, there's always more you can do to actually love people. You could love people more. And it's not just me personally, it's all of us. We're driven for affirmation of our own works and behavior. We're critical of other people falling short. I've said this before. I mean, counseling where a wife comes in and says, hey, my husband's not leading the family and he's not doing devotions. He's not doing all the stuff he should do. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's kind of true. I mean, but you're calling him on, on, on the reality that he's not who he should be. The reason they're there is to get change. I want them to be different. Not, man, he's covered by Jesus and his blood. It's really, I think that's just a marker for God. I think God is looking and judging and I've got to work harder to where I should be. And, 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 and yet Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is just about the relationship and the relationship isn't about behavioral obedience. Not here. He just skips it. I mean, that's shocking. So it might be a piece. I mean, there's no, no question that love leads to action. So I'm not saying that. I just think it's so de-emphasized in our text this morning. Instead, we have this. It's restored, Peter is. This is emphasized. And one more little piece before we're done is round three. Because he does it one more time. <laughs> I'm calling it completion because three times, you know, it's the number of God. Very rarely in the Gospels does something happen over and over and over three times. And yet here we are. A third time, Jesus says to Peter. He said to him the third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. What in the world is he doing? <laughs> this, is the, this is Jesus. He's restoring Peter. He started with, Peter, do you self-sacrificially love me more than anyone else? The answer is no. Peter's like, yeah, I, I, no, I can't say no, but I'm saying, yes, I, I do love you, Jesus, like a brother. I do. And then he says, hey, Peter, do you self-sacrificially love me? And Peter's like, oh, I I can't say that, but I, I can say, Jesus, Jesus, you know, you know that, 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 that I love you like a brother. So what does Jesus do now? Super important. This is the third question. Because now Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me like a brother? Whoa. Because those other two things weren't true. And he doesn't say, well, let me help you get there. Because what I'm after is for you to self-sacrificially love like me. And that's the goal of your life is to get there. And you've got to climb this ladder until you are agapeing me better than anyone else. No, instead what he does is he comes down to Peter and he says, Peter, 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 do you love me like a brother? Peter's like, dude, you know this, Jesus. I've been telling you that. I accept you, Peter. That's it. It's always been it. It's not about how great you are for me. It's not about how much you're self-sacrificing for me. It's not about that. It's about, have you seen that I'm for you? 
And Peter finally sees, and Jesus now brings it in with completion of, do you, do you love me, Peter? And that it's totally based that Jesus has loved him and died for him and done all these things for him. Peter with his own eyes has seen it, which is his whole testimony in First Peter. And, then, and, and there you have this amazing reality that Jesus is everything. And Peter's like, yes, Jesus. But you know that God, Jesus doesn't get mad at him. Jesus says, Feed my sheep. This is the message you have for other people. This is, this is the message. This is the way. I adore you. Will you receive it? Right? So this final question, and the problem for us always with love is that we focus back in on us. Our problem is the self-sacrifice. The problem is my crummy behavior. My problem is that I can't agape you very well. If I read 1 Corinthians 13, it's about agape. It's about the beautiful love of God. And I'll tell you what, I, I, I'm not. I can say Jesus is patient and Jesus is kind and Jesus seeks, sees no wrong and Jesus is, is always hopes and, and all those things. But if I put Dax there, I kind of cringe because I'm not always kind. I don't always hope. And, and that's precisely where Jesus meets Peter. Peter, Peter, this is the way. I'm not asking for what you can't give. I'm not asking for grand gestures that are bigger than you. I'm not putting a bar up between you and me to see if you've hurdled it correctly with your self-sacrifice. He says, I'm for you, Peter. Do you receive me? Have you seen me? 